and welcome to Sports Beat After Hours. Mm. I am your host, Hemahemuli Jr. And joining me as always, the local lovable Canuck himself, Zach Hicken. What up, what up? Uh, another week of college football in the books. Boom. Um, man, first off, the youths are looking really good. They look great. Second, what a surprise from Utah State. They did not look good. No. Uh, kind of a tough showing heading into what may be, you know, their Super Bowl for the year. The game that they have circled on their calendar, the big rivalry game, the battle for the old wagon wheel. They're playing BYU on Saturday in Logan Hema. You will not be there. You're going to be up in Washington with the Utes. Yep. Matt Glade will be there. Jay Dortzback will be there. I won't be there. I'll be back here producing things. Running things, running the show from back here, but... um, Can't wait. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome Saturday. Uh, Awesome week, actually, lined up. we got the Clippers coming to town on Wednesday. we got high school playoffs. Week two, round two on Friday. More college football in the books on Saturday, baby. So make sure you guys stay tuned to uh, kslsports.com for uh, all of your sports coverage. Mm -hmm. We have you guys covered... Look, you basically would have to live in a cave <laughs> if you want to not find sports coverage from KSLSports.com. Let me tell you why. We're on the Facebook. We're on the Twitter. That's what we're on the Instagram. Oh we're goodness. sending out the tweets. We got a whole website where we put out stories and moments mm-hmm. and all the best stuff. We also put up all of our videos. We have a radio show. We have like 40 bajillion podcasts. We have so many podcasts. We're making sports great again. It's uh, huge. It's huge. Uh, no, for real. We we have everything. We have a YouTube channel, okay? Mm. And we're not just showing like what we put on TV. We're also doing digital exclusive packages. Me and Sam Farnsworth are knocking those bad boys out. Tom Hackett's doing it all the time. He's got Dine and Dash. He's got... Uh, he's got the Special Forces Gang. Yeah. He's got his show with Dunny that I think they're still trying to figure out a name. He's got Tom Cat Hackett. We are blowing out sports coverage. So basically, if you don't live in a cave, pick a platform and just pick it and stick with it and <laughs> do it. And don't pick your nose. Just pick a platform right. instead of picking your nose. And we got you covered. We got your back. It's great. And, you know, we even we, have an app. I didn't we, mention that. We do have an app. Um, RSL's out of the playoffs, but, you know, regular season, we stream all the RSL games on there. UVU games. Yeah, we do UVU. We do uh, the NWSL, the Utah Royals. Yep. With our personal favorite, Kristen Press. Yes. Huge fan of Kristen Press. She made the uh, best 11 for oh, cool. the NWSL for the 2019 season. So, shout out to Kristen Press. We love you. <laughs> um, and we just want to say forward. thank you for uh, listening to our podcast. Um you know, like Zach said, there's a lot of podcasts that you could be listening to and you're listening to ours, so that's we appreciate it. Um, thank you for listening to us to Sports Beat After Hours. Make sure you guys uh, text us for your payments. Yeah. And by the way, um, we would, you know, keep those reviews coming, five stars only. I know it's been a while since we've done a give- giveaway, so we should probably get on that and give something else away. Yeah. We gave away a pair of Dons earlier this year. Um, then we got kind of busy and stopped giving stuff away, but we're going to work on some new giveaways to give you. But in the meantime, rate and review us on this podcast. Five stars only Zach, we have hit a milestone. 
Really? Sports Beat Hour, After Hours podcast. 30 reviews. 35 star reviews. Really? 35 stars. That's huge. We're basically the Auburn of the KSL Sports podcast world, right? Uh, why Auburn? Uh, I don't know. I just tried it. Why not LSU? They're number oh. one. <clears throat> Try this again. We are basically the LSU of the KSL's sports podcast realm. 35 star reviews. That's awesome. So great. Let me just read one. Probably my favorite one of them. Um, it's from Chef Curry 69. Hema and Zach are the sexiest duo since pineapple and poutine. Oh, thank you, <laughs> Chef Curry. So great. Uh, I really appreciate that. That's love. racist. Um, thank you so much. And uh, keep those reviews coming for those of you listening. Do you guys just classify us as the foods from where we come from? Oh, no. I'm the poutine and you're the pineapple. Oh, okay. Well, I like pineapple and you like poutine. Yeah. So that works out. We um, don't like it the other way around. So <laughs> so uh, let's get to the college football um, games that we had this past week. Some yeah. good games. Yeah. You were at the Utah game actually on Saturday. I was. What was that like? Because, man, so many milestones for the Utes. A lot. Uh Tell me about what milestones happened, Hema. <laughs> Thank you, Zachary. Um, Zach Moss, the beast that he is, we know we know he's a beast. He is the all-time leader for rushing touchdowns for the Utes. Um, he had two touchdowns on the night. Yes, two yeah, touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Um, he had a great game. Um, Tyler Hunley had a great first half. And they could just bench him. And then they benched him because you, when you're killing Cal, uh, I think, what was it, like 28 to nothing at that point? Mm-hmm. They, who cares? So everyone, all the starters sat. Um, I'll tell you who had a great night, um, kind of underrated. Uh, Lucky Fotu had a had an impactful night. Yeah. The numbers don't really reflect it, but you could tell that his presence was felt. And that freshman quarterback for Cal definitely felt that on that one sack um, that he had. Uh, let me think. What else happened? Oh, yeah. And then the biggest milestone of all. The youth shut out a Pac-12 opponent for the first time since joining the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2011 when they joined the Pac-12. So it's a big night for the for Wits D. It was a great, great night to be a youth. Yeah, it was a big-time game for the youths. Um, I mean, Cal, their record doesn't reflect it, but they've caused headaches oh. in the Pac-12. Yes. Um, so they lost to Oregon State, which is not good. But they beat Washington early in the season, which is yeah. a big win. Um, they've played close against Oregon. They played close against Arizona State. Um, they're a tough team, and dominating them this way is a – it's a, it's a milestone win for the Utes. Yes. And in their placement in the Pac-12, if they want to be a legit powerhouse year in and year out, mm-hmm. they need to play teams that they should win. Um, They need to dominate in these games. And it was a dominant performance. Yes. You talked about Lucky Foto. The defense as a whole, Wits D, was, it was just absolutely, I mean. It was so strong. Yeah, I mean. Tough D. They held hard against the run. It was just they were stiff against the run. They're getting uh, penetration. Yeah, they were two for. They held Cal to two for eleven on third down. Insane. Um. Okay. Cal only had eighty three yards total on the night. <laughs> not eighty three yards rushing. Not eighty three yards passing. Eighty three yards total on the night. Okay. 
23 yards rushing. Utah is the number one rushing defense in the country, number 11 passing defense in the country, number three overall, number four in scoring defense. They're only allowing 10 points per game. They are elite. The last time that we saw a team with a dominant defense like this, I go back to 2012 in BYU. Okay. When they had like Kyle Van Oy and yes. uh, Alani Fua and Ziggy Ansah and Daniel Sorensen and Craig Bills, a lot of Preston Hadley, like a yeah. lot of guys that spent time in the league. Yeah. I went and looked at those numbers. They were allowing 14 points per game on an independent schedule where they played some tough teams like Notre Dame, who mm-hmm. went to the national championship undefeated. They played Oregon State, who was a top 10 team that year. But they weren't playing P5 teams week in and week out. Yes. Utah is doing this against the Pac-12, against really good teams. They dominated Arizona State last week. Yep. They dominated Cal. They did what they were supposed to do against Oregon State. Yep. And this is all coming off of that hiccup that they had against USC, which when you look at it, it's becoming more and more of a question mark of how did they lose this game because they shouldn't have. Right. Now, I think that it's a good thing that they lost that game because it gave them a sense of urgency that they didn't mm. have. So losing to USC in the Coliseum is the best thing to happen to the Utes this season. Not the uh, I think the best thing that happened to the Utes this season is Tyler Huntley's development as a quarterback. Oh sure. But for the team as a whole, yeah, I think yeah. that losing to the USC because yes, they're still tied. Technically USC holds the tiebreaker because they beat right. Utah head to head. But guess who USC plays in the next 3 weeks? They are facing. Uh, they're facing Oregon this week, mm-hmm. and then they have uh, Arizona State. Tough team. Yeah, and that's on the road, and then they play UCLA, which UCLA is just such no. a a coin flip. Who knows? Who knows what's going right. to happen in that game? Because UCLA's beaten Stanford, and they uh, like beat Arizona, but. Yeah, they've just had some really weird Washington games. Washington State. Yeah. yeah. Just who knows what UCLA is going to be like. And quite honestly, they show up for the USC game. Yeah. It's 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 a it's the battle for LA. Yeah. So um, USC's got a tough task ahead of them. Um, well, and let me tell you why it's tough. Okay. Um, so USC is, uh, for their record for the year, they are sitting at... Sorry, I'm pulling this up to make sure that I get it right. They are sitting at five and three on the year. Okay. Okay. They are four and zero at home and one and three on the road. They just picked up their first road win against Colorado, where they had to come back. Freaking Colorado. And Colorado could have wrapped it up for the Utes. Yeah. Um, the other night, but yeah, they had to come back in this game, and. So USC hosts number seven Oregon at the Coliseum on Saturday, and then they're down in Tempe against Arizona State. Yeah, which one and three on the road combined with Arizona State being a pretty good team, mm-hmm. that's some cause for concern for USC. And then they're against Cal the next week, and then UCLA to wrap up the season. Yep. So I think in this last four stretch, USC is going to drop at least one, possibly two games. Sure, I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. No. As long as Utah takes care of what they need to do against Washington on Saturday, I think that they run the table in the Pac-12 the rest I, of the way. Yes. I, I agree. And at the beginning of the season, we were like, oh, this Washington game, this is going to be 
the monkey on the back of the Utes. Mm-hmm. This was our attitude going into the season. Looking at it now, man, I really think the Utes are going to go up there and whoop them in Seattle. Because since that USC loss, there's just been a different focus among all the athletes, all the coaches, and Kyle Whittingham does not want to be embarrassed again on the road. No. Um so I think I really think the Utes are going to go up there and get it done. I think this game more than any other that they had scheduled this year was circled on their calendar because of Absolutely. what happened against Washington in two games that they played last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that Washington won on just the weirdest play in the Pac-12 championship game last year. Yeah. Seriously, the weirdest, weirdest play ever. Um, and I think that you know as long as Utah comes out healthy i like i said i think they run the table and they have a shot against oregon if yeah. those two if those are the two teams that make it to the pac-12 championship and let me tell you utah fans you guys want oregon to win out let me yes. tell you why if you have two probably top six teams in this pac-12 championship one of the, whoever wins has a shot at going to the playoff mm-hmm. you're gonna get lsu or alabama in the first round <laughs> right. of the playoff but you could go. But you could go, and you never know what's going to happen as long as you get a shot. Yeah. So, and you know what? Even if Utah loses, that I hope that it doesn't happen because mm-hmm. I would love to go to the Rose Bowl to cover it. For sure. Um, but even if Utah were to lose that game, Oregon could go on, and if it is Oregon, Oregon could go on to uh, be in the college football playoff and Utah could go to the Rose Bowl, yeah. or vice versa. Utah could go to the college football playoff, right. Oregon still goes to the Rose Bowl. So um, I can't emphasize how important this game is. I think that Utah's defense is just going to, if they play the way that they have the last three weeks, mm-hmm. it's going to cause a lot of headaches for Jacob Eason. Yeah. Our boy Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. His head's going to be on a swivel because... For sure. Um, I think that those uh, those Utah boys... Are gonna be looking out for their, one of the them, one of them Utah boys, even though they love his brother. Yeah, you know they love Samson, but they're they're all homies. But then as soon as you put it on, you're on the field. Yeah, they're still yeah. competitors, yeah. you know. And so, um, I'm excited. I, I'm jealous that you have the chance to watch Puka play in person. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so fun. Um, I think <laughs> that you know Puka is one of the more exciting players that I'm looking forward to. Uh, Even though I guess I did get to see him when he played BYU this year. So right. I should take that. But back. I mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Though. Cause like, he started to come onto the scene more the last few weeks. Yeah. It's, it's too bad that like, uh, MJ to got hurt and like, um, is Thankfully, recovering. He, yeah, he's he okay. Is okay. But you know, I, I, I don't expect him to play much the rest of the season and it's too bad because he's a baller. But, uh, a lot of our Utah boys, I like, I love to death, and so I'll, I'm looking forward to see how they compare against the Utes, and it's going to be a good match. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. Um, plus, Sam, I don't think is ever Sam Farnsworth or anchor. He, I don't think he's been to Seattle yet. So he actually just went last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was there on oh, Wednesday. That's right. He yeah. was there for the RSL. last playoff. So that was his first time. Okay, that he was there because he was asking me like, "Oh, we need some good places to eat. Do you know where to eat?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know." You guys are eat, just going to so. go to Par- Pike Market, right? Uh, yeah, probably, I mean, around the pier for okay. sure to get some, you know, fresh seafood. Yeah. You gotta get Oh, it. dude, I'm jealous. That's it's gonna, gonna be, be awesome. Fun. Uh, but yeah, so if any of you, f- if you guys listening are gonna go up there, um, to see the Utes play, yeah, just come say hi. We'll, we'll be there, um, for both those days, and yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. 
Um, let's see. Another game we're looking forward to this week. BYU and uh, Utah State are playing. Yeah, this is a big game for both Kalani Sitake and Gary Anderson after Utah State's coming off a loss. There's a lot of questions there. There's some questions down in Provo, though, mainly about this quarterback battle, okay? Hmm. And here's my pitch for Kalani Sitake. If you want to win this game, don't go with Jaron Hall. Don't go with Baylor Romney. What? You go with Joe Krishna. Let me tell you why after this. And I'm going to tell you why the best chicken sandwich place is actually in Provo. Coming up next. Yeah, this is a big game for both programs. Yeah. Um, BYU's coming off of a bye week after what we kind of have billed as a turnaround game for this program. <laughs> Which is We've done that twice crazy. this season. Yeah. Um, but I truly think that the way that this team is playing with some of the changes that they've made behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you can read into that what you want, BYU fans. Yeah. Um, I think that that winning against Boise State is one that could turn around the Kalani Satake era for the Cougars do in you, the right direction. Do you think it's an extendable win? No. Okay. I think he needs to beat Utah State in order to get an extension. Two of the three rivals. He needs to win two of the three because in no season has he ever beat two of the three rivals. He's only ever beaten, this is only the second time that he's beaten one of the three rivals. So this is a big win. A lot is riding on Kalani Satake's future in this game. Um, In fact, he is uh, 2-9 against rivals all time. Wow. And so... You, you know, you point at that number, and it's pretty glaring. Right. But at the same time, he's facing what has probably been the best five-year stretch of Utah. Schedule-wise. Well, yeah, schedule-wise. Sure. Okay, the you're saying schedule's just, been the, insane, but just, just the saying rivals. for these rivals. Gotcha. It's the best stretch that Utah's had for, like, eight years. Absolutely. In program history. Hands down. Um, probably the most consistent talent-wise stretch that Utah's had for about five or six years. Mm-hmm. And then Boise State's Boise State. Right. Every year team in, regionally here in Utah and in the West struggles with Boise State. It doesn't right. matter who it is. Um, and then Utah State has had, you know, winning season after winning season. Yeah. And, you know, they're nothing to, sh- to frown at either. Yeah. So. And they're looking to make it three in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long time since BYU's lost three in a row to Utah State. I think it's been like 40 years. Oh, my gosh. Um, since, like, before Lavelle took over as the head coach. And so – um. This is a defining win for Kalani Satake, and I, I I, think that they have a good opportunity to get this game because they're coming off of a bye week. Utah State's coming off of a really disappointing loss against Air Force. where They got spanked. Well, and the thing, too, with Air Force is, is like the way that they play, their brand of football with the cuts and the low blocks and just running the ball down your throat over and over and over yeah. and over again, it wears you out. And, and, and it's... It's an offense you don't see often here mm-hmm. in the West. Yeah. Know. And, I mean, this is an install package playing Air Force that Gary Anderson's been working on since fall camp. Yeah. They installed it in fall camp. So the focus has been on that, you know, for six or eight weeks. And then they come off of that. There's, you know, there's some regrouping. There's some come to truth. Mm-hmm. I think we've learned more about this Utah State team. Um. Than we knew before. Yes. There were 
some causes for concerns. They are very unhealthy right now. Yes. We don't know the status of Jalen Warren. He injured his shoulder against Air Force. Um, it's the second time that he's left a game with an injury this season. Mm-hmm. Um, their front seven is pretty beat up, depleted along the, the defensive line. Chris Unga's hurt. Um, so I think that, you know, it's a it's an opportunity for BYU to capitalize mm-hmm. and get a win and continue on their slate towards bowl eligibility. Um, this is a different Utah State team than what we saw at the beginning of the season against Wake Forest and San Diego State and even two weeks ago against Nevada just because yeah. they are kind of starting to drop like flies. And they don't have the same depth that they had the last couple of years. No, and I think we've said this before and we'll say it again. That LSU scheduling absolutely killed Utah State. Yeah. Putting that in the middle of the season was, I don't know if it was a good or a bad idea, but I do think the facts show that it definitely, literally hurt the team. Yeah. Um, so you can see looking at Utah State's um, schedule, you know, ever since that LSU game, they've been battling injuries. They've been um, not showing up. They've been lacking confidence. Yeah, that's a like, good way to say They just haven't been able to put together a complete game like what we saw. Um, like, yeah, they had their struggles against Colorado State and San Diego State. Mm-hmm. But they just haven't been able to put together a complete game. I know the Nevada game was kind of an outlier. Um, but there's just more things are popping up that are cause for concern. But the one thing that isn't a cause for concern is Jordan Love. I know people sure. are starting to dog on him. Yeah. And saying he's not an NFL prospect anymore. You don't just go from being a first round projected pick to no longer being right. a NFL prospect. He is he is having a bad season because he doesn't have the same talent around him. And we've we said this before. You look at his best targets this season, they're all transfers. Yeah. So that has to tell you something about the weapons. That it's he has Caleb Rep, a guy who played defensive end for the last three <laughs> seasons, and C.O.C. Mariner, a guy that and C.O.C. has struggled with his health this season. Yes. Jalen Warren, who's been his best option out of the backfield, has struggled with his health this mm-hmm. season. This offensive line is very young and inexperienced, and they've struggled yeah. um, to protect him. And when he's getting guys pushed into his lap, then yes, literally, um, he is going to struggle. Yeah. When he doesn't have guys that can go out and hype. Because one of the things that Jordan Love does best is he puts the ball in places that only his receivers can get to. And if they can't get there, then they're not. No one's getting to it. No one's getting there. Last year when he had guys who were were fringe NFL guys that were with teams in the preseason like Ron Quavian Tarvel and Jalen Green. Yes. He looked great. Aaron Vaughns was even a great option. And he was like the fourth option. Um. But, like, Savon Scarver, as fast as he is, he's just going out and running nines. Yeah, he just doesn't have the um, repertoire for running really good routes. Yeah. And getting open. And so he lost those two guys, his two stud wide receivers. Uh-huh. He lost an NFL tight end, and he lost an NFL running back. Yes. And then he lost a pretty experienced offensive line. With two guys that were like first team All Mountain West, absolutely, and Roman Andrus and uh, Quinn and Quinn Ficklin, and so it's just I'm seeing people put out. Uh, I, this makes me angry. Just <laughs> bullcrap, stupid things yeah. that Jordan Love needs to come back. There is no reason for him to come back no. because guess what? 
if his stock is dropping, it's going to drop even worse next year. And because weapon- he loses Gerald Bright, yeah, and yes. he loses he loses COC Mariner and Caleb Rath. Yes, like the only bright spots that better. he has, it's not going to get better. No. So I think I think you're absolutely right. It's just it's just crazy. Like just because his receivers aren't catching the ball does not mean he's and not it's get not like. He's not putting on target. They are dropping balls that need to be caught. Yep. And it's frustrating. And you can see if you actually watch the games instead of looking <laughs> at a box score, yeah. then you can tell Jordan Love is getting frustrated. And I am getting frustrated talking about this. <laughs> His body language is different. Yeah. And you know what? You could see against Air Force, he was upset. Yeah. They didn't they had like one first down the entire game. They didn't pick up a first down until like the third quarter, and I think it was their first drive of the third quarter. It was just it was a weird game, yeah, for Utah State, and it's just, or excuse me, it wasn't a first down. They hadn't converted a third down until the first until the first drive of the of the third quarter, yeah. And it's frustrating to see this because you, it's not often that you see a talent like Jordan Love, and I feel like he's being wasted right now. Yes, it's, I and agree. I know that this is a one. This is like a one game that we're pointing out and nitpicking and like really getting after. But like even against Colorado State, there were drop balls. Yeah. Against LSU, we gave we kind of gave some leeway because of how talented LSU's defense is. But there were drop balls and there were missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. And again, people are looking at the numbers that he has like seven touchdowns to nine picks or whatever the heck it is yeah. don't look at the box score watch him play football okay <laughs> yeah. i don't want to see some more bull crap of people saying that jordan love isn't an nfl prospect anyone who has watched football and can see the poise that this guy has mm-hmm. the delivery the mechanics and when he is on the confidence yeah and the way that he elevates his teammates play you can see that he is an NFL player. But when his team is dragging him down, they are a heavy anchor and they are dragging him down fast. And it's frustrating to see because I had high hopes for the for the Aggies this year. Are you uh done? I'm done ranting. Can I can I put your soapbox away? Yes. Okay. Now, I think you're absolutely right. And so the on the flip side, for the Cougar fans out there. This might be the year that you can catch them because they're weak, weakened, excuse me. I meant to say weakened as far as like personnel goes. But you know what? BYU is kind of battling some injuries now too. Um, Which brings me to a question. Who is going to start at quarterback really for BYU? I think Jaron Hall gets the start. Personally, I think Baylor Romney should. Because of his performance. I think that he I he outperformed Jaron Hall in my opinion. Mm. He's more similar to Zach Wilson and what you want to run with his offense. Mm. They made schematic offensive changes. Do you want to talk about those? Because those are kind of interesting. Yeah. So they basically went away from doing an RPO. They basically okay. called straight handoffs and straight passes. Mm-hmm. Um, an RPO system works better with Jaron Hall. Yeah. So basically you're retooling the offense for the third game in a row. Because... After Zach got hurt, you retooled it for the South Florida game mm-hmm. to fit Jaron a little bit better. Yep. You had more designed runs, um, 
and gave him more opportunities to run the ball. Then it comes back, and there's more change in, in there's some changes in the play calling, some changes in the blocking schemes. Jeff Grimes goes down from the booth, and now he's involved with coaching the offensive line. Great, move, a place where he's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Even though he probably wasn't too happy about it at first, you could tell on the sideline that he was more excited about this. He's a lineman guy. You yeah, want, you want to get him down there to see what they're seeing, and yeah, uh, and he needs to talk to those guys and you know help Coach Mateos because this is the first time that Coach Mateos has really been a major an offensive line coach at a major university. Yes. He's been involved as a grad assistant, but this is the first time that he's been the guy. And mm-hmm. so help him out a little bit. Um, but then, you know, Aaron Roddick and Fessy Sataki getting a little bit more involved in the play calling, mainly with the passing and retooling things a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it simplified the offense a little bit. I think Baylor executed the way that he was supposed to. Yep. So I think basically, unless you want to retool the offense again once Zach Wilson comes back and go away from RPO to more of what they ran against Boise State, mm-hmm. then uh, sure, go for that. If sure. you feel the confidence that you can change it again. <laughs> but if you want to keep that same offense and the same terminology and the same play calling and the same scheme, I think you go with Baylor Romney. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think this time of the year is the year or is the time of the season where you need to settle in your groove, especially for BYU and the kind of schedule that they run being an independent. Um Boise State is kind of the last of the difficult games, I guess you would say. Then the rest of the season kind of is they should be wins. Um, but you don't want to have, you know, toward the end of the season and going into, knock on wood, a bowl, se- a bowl game toward the end of the season, you don't want to be retooling your offense again. And so I think you're absolutely right about Baylor-Romney, having him kind of take the reins. Now, what does that mean for Jaron Hall? I think they should put him at the slot, man. He's he's athletic. He can catch. He can throw. I think that would be fun to throw him Find in. Find a way to get him involved in the offense. Yeah, like not every single play, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, you throw a wrinkle in there where he's in a slot position, you know, that widens out the field a little bit more. They've got to respect that. Um, or something. I don't know. Something like that. But Jaron Hall needs to be involved. But I do like the idea of having Baylor Omni start. Um Let's see. What are some other surprises from the Boise State game? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, but um, Sione Finau. Yeah. Such a good runner. Give him more touches. Yeah. Um, I I like just kind of the the uh, run block design that we saw after um, Grimes got a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. It looked kind of like what Ryan Pugh ran last a little bit mm-hmm. last year. They were very good run blocking last year. And so um, as they've had a week because of the bye week to work on that, I think we're going to see a few more wrinkles in the offense and the defense. Yeah. We saw more safety blitzes last week. Mm-hmm. Dan Wallach, who was in the backfield making plays, and um, they're working to get back Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner, I expect them to start playing soon i don't know we'll probably get a status update this week um but they're gonna play four games i think there's five games left for for byu and so we'll see what happens there um but speaking of uh so you mentioned chicken sandwiches yes i did okay people think the best chicken sandwich is here in salt lake city so let me let me tell you what's up 
And we aren't. I'm going to use chicken sandwiches as an analogy for <laughs> okay. college football teams. Okay, let's go. So there's this place <laughs> down in uh, in Provo. The best chicken sandwich. Place. It's amazing. It's called Lovebirds. Okay, yeah. it's down in the Riverwoods. Okay, now myself personally, I'm a Chick Fil A guy. I love Chick Fil A spicy chicken sandwiches. Sure, they're easy. Um, to get, they're convenient. They're all over the place. It's very well known. Chick Fil A is just a. Great... It's got a Christian brand, but the one downside is that it's closed on Sundays. Right. Same with um this place on down in Provo. It's not open on Sundays either. So sometimes on Sundays, or if I need something a little more convenient, you know, I'll go to like KFC or Popeyes. Okay. Mm. So we're gonna use this as an analogy <laughs> for the, the local college football teams. Okay. Okay. If I want just a butt-kicking chicken sandwich, I'm going to Lovebirds, okay? And they're the youths. Okay. Okay? It's it's dynamite. Dynamite. It's got everything you, you want. Know what it's you're got getting. some good slaw. It's got good crunch, good spice. You can add a little bit of honey on it. And you want they throw in some nice things on the side, too. Yeah. Their special just like teams the youths. Is pretty good. Their special teams are pretty good. <laughs> um the defense, you know, is always coming out and performing, but you know they added a wrinkle this year, and the offense is really good. Yes. And so that's the crinkle cut fries, okay? <laughs> loaded uh, fries, man. Yeah, the loaded crinkle cut fries or waffle fries, not waffle crinkle fries. cut. Excuse me, the waffle fries, okay? BYU's Chick Fil A, okay, okay. They've got a Christian background, closed on Sundays. You know it's good, and you know what it is. Uh-huh. It's convenient. You can find it pretty much anywhere. ESPN. Yeah. Any major like city, okay. Uh, you know, sometimes they're they're very polite when you make the trip <laughs> out there, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes it leaves you wanting a little bit more. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have gotten a second chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should have uh, gotten some extra sauce. And sometimes it just seems like you need to ask for that and not just expect it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now Utah State. At this point, I was going to give them the Popeye sandwich. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Up and comer out of nowhere. Yeah. Surprised us, but just actually, you know, this is a perfect analogy. This is great. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I was going to give them KFC because KFC does not have a good chicken sandwich. No, no, no. Popeyes. But Popeyes is a perfect analogy yeah. for Utah State. Kind of rose from the ashes out of the prominence and the shadows of the other two major chicken sandwiches uh-huh. and got everyone's attention for a little bit, but then. Faded away as fast as it came. Yeah. It was a flash in the pan. Keep saying that it's going to be coming back, but I don't know. We'll see. It's, they've got Maybe it will come out. back when November rolls around, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> Is that a good analogy? That's a great analogy. Okay. I love it. Sorry. I'm really hungry <laughs> right now. I know. That sounds, all those things sound super delicious. Uh, I'm going to need to find, and I'm just going to end up eating McDonald's. Right. Who's the McDonald's? I can't sandwich? say because I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> oh, okay. They're the Idaho State because we're <laughs> never going to have anyone from Idaho State right. listening to our podcast. Sorry, Bengals fans. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all I have for uh, college football chicken sandwiches. I like it. Um, haven't we talked before? We want to do some dad advice. Let's go. Uh, my dad advice that I need this week, my son is turning... One year old in two weeks. Okay. 
Birthday's November 12th. Can't believe I have a one-year-old. It's nuts. That's cool. My problem that I'm running into is I have no idea what the heck to freaking buy this kid for his birthday. Oh, yes. My wife and I have been debating, and I'm like, my thing is like, okay, I want to get him stuff that like is either practical or that he can use and beat up and use for like a couple years. So like we have like this Amazon wish list that we're putting together and I'm putting like a little tykes like basketball hoop in. Oh yeah. yeah. Part of it's cause I want it like a little tykes, like T ball. Um, I want to get him like one of those like uh Fisher price, like plastic push cars that like kids just ride around the neighborhood. Yeah. I had one of those growing up and I loved it. It was like my favorite thing ever. Um, and so my thing's like more stuff that like he's going to grow into okay. that he'll enjoy. But my wife is trying to be a little bit more practical. We just can't come to a consensus of what we need to get though. So I'm wondering what should I get my son for his birthday? Okay. This is what y- all you dads should get your sons for their first birthday. What you do is you take their favorite toy that they already have and wrap it in some wrapping paper. This sounds lame, but A, he'll love unwrapping it. B, he'll be surprised that it's his toy that he already has. And C, since he already loves it, he'll like it anyways. That's my dad advice for you. <laughs> it's lame, but look, you can buy your kids all kinds of stuff. I, I do it too. Um, they, Their attention comes and goes so quickly that, you know, it's – plus. You know, one-year-olds are so young that who knows what they like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do they like balls? Some kids love playing with little soccer balls or footballs or whatever. And then some kids are like my daughter who just loves stuffed animals. And mm-hmm. we figured out that, you know, buying her those, like, big squishy things that you can win at, like, fairs, um, she loves those. So, I don't know. It's... <sighs> If you're planning on having more kids, then it doesn't really matter what you buy because then, you know, you, the next kid can use it too. Yeah. Um, I did buy my son one of those like push car, like push bikes or whatever. If oh, you like go a to, balance bike. Yeah. If you go to like Ikea, they have one that's like all natural wood or oh, whatever. Cool. And it's basically a bicycle made out of wood with no pedals. So we actually have one um, that we bought before he was born. Uh, there's like an Amazon warehouse by my house that I went over to and- was just like okay. looking at stuff, and I saw it was like it was like fifteen bucks, and so I've had it like it's sitting in his closet. He actually found the box the <laughs> other day, like today I think actually for the first time, even though it's been sitting in his closet for like months. Yeah. Um. So he looked excited to see it. I don't know what he'll think when he sees it because he's still learning how to walk. But I'm excited to let him get a chance to use it. But yeah. Um. It's going to be interesting to yeah. see what we end up picking because, honestly, his favorite toy, that advice, is uh, he likes the remote for my soundbar. Oh. He likes to play with the remote for my soundbar and my PlayStation yeah. controller. Yeah. Um, I don't want to wrap those up because <laughs> uh, I like watching yeah, you need streaming those. stuff. Yeah, I need those. Um, so. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like, whatever you get, I'm sure he'll love. Yeah. But I'm just saying. Young, young kids like unwrapping things, and they like the boxes that things come in. That's like cool. My daughter loved boxes, too. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the thing that's going on. Um, or that's my answer for you. The thing that's going on for, like, me is uh, my kids are 
you know, it's Halloween, I guess, isn't, was it Thursday? Holy cow. It's Thursday. Are you bringing him in on Thursday, by the way? Oh, I could. I think I my, I think my wife doing a thing here? are coming in. Yeah, they have trick-or-treating here. Cool. We, uh, <clears throat> so for, we always do, like, family costumes. Um, it's just fun because our kids are going to be in costumes anyways. And then the kids love it when you dress up with them and you play with them kind of thing. So my son wanted to be Captain Hook. So he's Captain Hook. Uh, my daughter's Tinkerbell and I have, you'd be uh, Tinkerbell. <laughs> no, I'm the uh, crocodile. I'm oh actually, really? Yeah. I have a crocodile like pajamas. Basically it's like a hood with a crocodile face on it. And then I have like a Flava Flav, like clock that I wear oh, on my gosh. <laughs> Is your uh, wife Peter Pan? No, my wife's she's dressing up as me. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. She has like a red beanie and like a striped shirt and she's got a belly cuz she's Pregos. Congratulations. So, uh, yeah. That's breaking news on breaking the podcast. News. I had no idea. <laughs> People eat this stuff up. No worries. Uh but yeah, so we might come in. That'd be fun. And then my my daughter can meet your son and they can play or whatever. He might like um, try and bite her. He bites a lot. They, my kids bite each other. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, they'll get along just great yeah. then. She'll know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds like fun. But uh, anyways, the thing I'm dealing with is, uh, you know, everyone's works have, like, different trick-or-treating things, like you, like ours does here. But, like, yeah. not always on Halloween. It's, like, throughout the week. And my kids have already done, like, trunk-or-treating or whatever. And they have, like, a buttload of candy that, like... I'll keep finding like wrappers everywhere. And like, we try to hide oh, their candy, gross. but it's like, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and my kids are like watching cartoons, chowing down on candy. And so <laughs> my, my dad advice question for you is how the hell do I hide this candy from my kids? Is it impossible? I, I, it's tough, but it's not impossible. Do I have to like legit lock this stuff up? So I think you do. It? Um, do you have a safe? I don't have a safe. Okay. Next question. Do you have a bird feeder out in your backyard? I do have a bird feeder. Okay. Put it in the bird feeder. Okay. Like, put it in a plastic bag and put it in the bird feeder. So, this is kind of like what they tell you to do with, like, food when you're camping out so that bears don't find it. You yeah. have to, like, hang it from a tree. Yeah. That's what I have to do with my kids' house. Yeah. You can, I mean, you could hang it from a tree, too. Um. So, I'm... Using references from some TV shows, okay? Okay. First off, when you're telling me about your kids doing this, do you remember Malcolm in the Middle when Dewey uh, stole all the candy? Or no, no, it wasn't Dewey. It was Jamie. Jamie stole all the Halloween candy and was hiding in the vent eating all the Halloween candy. I don't remember that episode. Oh, okay. Uh, so I it was later Malcolm on. It was like season five or season six. Okay. Jamie, the brother that was born during the course of the series. Right. Steals all the Halloween candy and he climbs into the vent and is eating it <laughs> and he gets a tummy ache and he keeps growling. Oh, and they hear that. They noise. hear it and they think that the house is haunted. <laughs> um, so I was just thinking about that. That's funny because I'm sure that your kids will get to the point that they are hiding it from you, and this is the first point mm-hmm. in uh, your relationship with them that they become liars. <laughs> um, but no, in uh, so in The Sopranos, uh-huh. uh. There's this point in the series where Tony Soprano hides like fifty thousand dollars in a bird feeder in his oh, backyard. Okay, and he puts a lock on the bird feeder, and his wife ends up finding the the um, the money. The money. Oh, so that's one place that's that you funny. could use. Um, I actually think that's not a bad idea if you wrap it in a plastic sack. Just good enough. Hang it from a tree. Uh, yeah, 
Could we could put it in some? Oh, oh, I was talking about like the big bins that like you put bird seed in. Oh, yeah. We have one of those for like our chicken food because we have chickens at our house. Yeah, so put it like in the chicken food. Yeah. Um, if not, just put it in the trunk of your car. Yeah, could do that. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have like any hiding spaces or anything? I don't. My house is maybe I do. I just haven't found them. I don't really look for yeah. hiding spaces. My kids probably know where they are. So definitely outside of the house probably is going to be the best. If the best if all bet. else fails, just stick it in the top of the closet. Yeah, that's the best hiding place for any parent. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. So thanks for that uh, dad advice. <sighs> Anything else? We need to talk about before we wrap this baby up. No, let's wrap it. Uh, Tired. It's been a busy week. And I, uh, I want some chicken sandwiches. Yes. We need to go find some food. Uh, Going to go get myself a McDouble and a hot and spicy McChicken because that's probably the only thing that's open right now. So The Idaho state of uh, fast foods or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Well, McDonald's. thanks for listening to Sports Beat After Hours. If you hung with us this long, we love you and we appreciate it. I am Hemahe Mooley Jr. He is Zach Hicken. Good night, everybody.